What's up, y'all? My name is Min. My name is Tammy. This is The, the Lightning, Lightning Rod. Rod. All right, welcome back to another episode. So in this very special episode, I have a guest with me on The Lightning Rod, and she's a good friend of mine. She's a good friend and a mother figure to me for many years, but today we're going to be talking about her amazing process, her company that she's starting, her business, and all her good endeavors. I mean, take it away, Mrs. Silverman. Hi. Well, please call me Marion. Oh, yeah, for sure. So <laughs> Mrs. Silverman, that's somebody else, right? Right on. Uh, so my name is Marion, and I have a little company called Financially Astute. And what I do is I teach financial literacy. That's just a broad um, overview of what I do to young people ages 16 to 26. So that's really, if we want to talk about the broadest explanation. Um, no, that's good. I mean, that's something that a lot of young people really need. And that's something in previous episodes that we've talked about. We've talked about budgeting from our perspective. We've talked about ways that, that um, young artists can budget for their, um, you know, their careers, their college. And, you know, we are only two people who are young ourselves and we're kind of new to this world of investing and budgeting. And we just kind of give our listeners just basically tips and tricks that we have, you know, used in the past, but it's really nice to have someone who knows a lot more about financial literacy than like two like young millennials, you know? Right, right. Well, you know, there's there's no specific guidebook. And so that's the void I'm trying to fill for that. Right. So I want to really just dive in right now and just talk about like your profession and like what's going on, like what inspired you to come up with this concept of helping young people with their money, you know, their financial problems and their financial literacy? Sure. Well, the short answer would be mitochondria. You know, you say, what? Well, when I talk to people, again, we're, we're looking at specifically, you know, between sort of high school and recent graduates. Um, and you ask them questions like, uh, do you know how much you can um, invest in an IRA in any one year? Or can you explain to me really how cash advances work on your credit card? Usually you get dead silence. But if you ask somebody, what's the powerhouse of the cell? Mitochondria. Mitochondria, exactly. <laughs> that might as well just be stamped on my high school degree. Exactly. <laughs> like, honestly. Exactly. As a matter of fact, there are memes out there for that, um, which is kind of a sad comment. I mean, it's... Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I um, grew up around this area. Like, I went to high school. Like, I remember I literally had no idea what a mutual fund was until I was, like, 21 I did not know how to invest my money. I had no idea what was going on. And frankly, like, I think the wildest thing is that I didn't think about it and I didn't care about it. Right. Because you, it, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. So really this idea has been forming in my mind for a really long time. My background um, when I graduated college and throughout most of my career was in institutional finance. And um, I was a senior manager through most of my career we hired lots of young adults out of terrific schools, finance majors. Mm -hmm. And um, throughout my career, now I'm a mom. I was a mom then. Um, I, I think I was a pretty good manager and mentor. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, we, I ran into several people who had terrible credit card debt. These were people who worked for me, who were 22, 24 years old, who personally came to me with significant problems. Either they, you know, racked up too much credit card debt or they um, got themselves into obligations, whether it was, um, you know, rent that was too expensive or a car loan or something. And, um, you know, we worked together, the individual and I, um, to come up with a budget, to figure out how to create um, appropriate debt repayment. Mm -hmm. And um, so this was just part of my um, job as a mentor and a manager. So that was a long time ago. Right. Um, And then when I retired from that profession and moved down to Atlanta, I got very involved in the PTA. And um, I got, you know, an extra glimpse, not just having my kids go through the high school process in the uh, Mm -hmm. Fulton area, but in the PTA. And um, what I saw is, again, just like you mentioned, you get a terrific academic education. Right. It's that mitochondria principle. Um, But you're not really prepared for being an adult and the basic concepts of being specifically a financially responsible adult. So, you know, I, again, I saw that. So little more, you know, the wheels are starting to turn on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got involved with this wonderful organization called Homestretch. It's based in Roswell. They provide um, somewhat long-term housing and services to homeless families. So they provide a safe place to live for two years while there's, you know, tremendous amount of um, services to them to help turn their lives around. Mm-hmm. And I'm a budget mentor. I got very involved with that. But one of the things I saw, as wonderful as the program is, the programming for the kids in the program was really focused on making sure they have a safe space, teaching them. Um, and what to, were the age of these kids? Like, Well, it could really be from infants all the way up to age 18. Right. But um, the thing I was focusing on is that, you know, they have a lot of life skills of building a resume, but there was really nothing financial. And sadly, breaking the cycle of poverty is very difficult. Mm-hmm. So the piece that they were missing, I felt, was teaching financial skills to the young adults in the program. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, they didn't have that role model. So you know, your parents may be um, great parents, but they may not be the best role models. Um, you know, you may not be able to see it. So you go from one end of the spectrum of homeless families where there's definitely no role model Mm -hmm. to parents who have great financial skills who might be great role models, but maybe they're not imparting the information. Right. So all of that, you know, over several years started kind of swirling around. And I finally was like, you know what, this is something I can do a, to give back to the community, but I feel very passionately about, um, I think that the path to being a, financially responsible adult um, is more than just learning to, you know, put your money in the stock market or opening up a bank account. There's so many pieces to it. So that was all these things, you know, it took a long time. So some people have that aha moment. It wasn't like that for me. I, it was the building of experiences and the realization that there was a need out there um, that really kind of culminated in me putting together financially astute. And I also think that building over time also gives you the maturity and the experience to like really um, think of a concept that's very 
genuine. You know, I think that's something that I love to hear from my guests about like experiences like that, that just kind of build over the years and it just builds like that passion also builds as well. So that's pretty cool. And like, also, you know, just to add on to this conversation, I'm really happy that we're having this talk because I'm kind of on the opposite end of it where I'm like a young person that you're talking to. And I grew up in that, like, you know, Fulton County system where I kind of experienced the ground level of what you're talking about. Like, I remember literally um, the only real financial budgeting class I've ever had in my life ever was in the eighth grade. And it was with this um, like home ec thing, which by the way, they cut home ec to my knowledge, Right. to my knowledge, they (laughs) cut it. And I remember actually that home ec class was so useful. Like, I am not even joking with you when I say that, like, I, I'm 24 right now. So that home ec class was like 11 years ago. I still use some of the techniques that I learned in it. Like, for example, the other day, like I ripped a pair of my jeans going through like hiking. And I literally have a sewing kit with me now that I can sew up my jeans. In. And I learned that Candy Rogers, you're my girl. Right. You taught me that. Right. And I, that's like something that I use practically that I can say that like, you know, the mitochondria of the cell, like I have not used that since I quit medical school, you know? <laughs> so like basically like, you know, just that carrying around that little sewing kit with me, I carry that with me in all of my purses. Now I have a right. little sewing kit now in all of my little bags. And also like, those practical skills, it just, it was a travesty when I found out that home ec was cut because it was kind of quintessential building blocks, like learning how to cook just like a basic meal at 13 is like something that so many kids don't know how to do. So like financial literacy is like such a big deal. And yeah, for me to have graduated from high school and to not have like learned those basic tools and necessities for like an interpersonal relationship with money. I learned about like the economy from like economics class. I learned about it on a macro level right? for sure, but never on a personal practical micro level. And I'm going to go so far as to say that I've been kind of done a disservice. Right. Well, I will even point out rightly so is that if you look at the course offerings in most of the high schools in Fulton County, and I'm specifically referring to Fulton County because that's where my experience has been, but I believe it's true in many of the other counties in the greater Atlanta area um, that we uh, we may teach economics. Um, I remember that both of my kids had to do um, a, some sort of project with the stock market. Well, first of all, that's not very helpful. Second, it wasn't even really correct. Um, and then, mm-hmm. you know, what else uh, is a- available? Well, there's like the Millionaires Club or there's Future Business Leaders of America. Um, these are some of the clubs that are offered at high school typically. Mm-hmm. Again, it's geared towards business and investing, not the basic tools that you need, the, the sewing kit that you need for mm-hmm, financial right, skills, right? Yeah. Right. So that whether you need to fix something or make enhance something. Um, so that's really why I started putting this together. And there is definitely a need in the area. Um, and, uh, you know, I joke around, but this is not only a need for young adults, but a lot of people who in the past have not had that education, whether they've always depended on someone else for financial guidance, and now they're out on their own. But specifically, I am really focusing on young adults, um, both from high school up until sort of the recently graduated, where um, small mistakes can have large consequences. And small achievements can have significantly um, outstanding beneficial results. So um, 
it's, it's really important to get that education and start those good financial habits early. Because again, um, your experience is going to be count for more when you're younger. No, I totally, I mean, I 100% agree with it. And I've said this before in the beginning of the episode, but, you know, on our podcast, we have definitely had a lot of people come in with questions about like how to, you know, how to do certain things under a budget. And we have to recognize that like me and Tammy, like we come from a place of privilege where we have all of our basic financial needs met, where we're not thinking about um, you know, financial strain, but a lot of our listeners definitely do have that on their mind. So like having you here is like really awesome for our listeners. So I want to talk about more about what you've done in the past and what you're currently working on, you know, what you're doing for these young Gen Zs and millennials. Yep, sure. Well, what I do um, is a um, I would say I offer several different things. One, I do some individual consulting. So if someone has the need to, um, you know, get a budget or look at getting out of debt, or um, even I've, I've consulted for some college students when they're trying to figure out the right meal plan and the right housing situation, or they want to spend a semester abroad, or someone who's just graduating, whether they're looking for a car loan, and, and you know, maybe this is something that they've never been through before. So I do that. Um, I also run workshops. Um, some are I'll call general workshops mm -hmm. where I have planned presentations. Um, for instance, I offer one on credit reports, credit scores, credit cards. Mm -hmm. I have one on budgeting. Um, but then I also do customized presentations. So recently I was asked to do a presentation to graduating seniors on things that they need to consider that aren't necessarily things you're going to learn out um, from the, the college website or from school, um, not all financial, but, you know, right a on. Lot yeah, of yeah, financial. Sure. Um, and so I, I do a little bit of all of that um, as well as, as I said, I do a fair amount of work with Homestretch and um, soon to be involved with North Fulton Community Charities and their education program. So, you know, that's, that's a, a little bit different, but um, again, it has the focus of, mentoring and um, helping create good financial habits that's so sick I mean you're like like the mom of like that's what we're, and we're right. gonna get into that right. about like right how you're basically like the money mama and that's so that's so I mean honestly that's really beautiful because like a lot of young people really need those workshops because you're kind of filling in the gap that like a high school and even the college level is not I don't want to say that they're not achieving, but they're kind of lacking in. So can you describe to me, like, you know, these workshops, like what is, how would a typical workshop go for you? Okay. Um, well, again, I try to create workshops that aren't too long in length. Okay. I mean, the fact is that after 30, 40 minutes, people's attention just starts to slide. Right. And um, it's not that I'm throwing so much information out, but I really want people to walk away with information that can, you know, marinate in their mind, um, that they will remember, that they can walk out and apply immediately. So I don't try to jam 30 concepts in. So I try to keep it pretty specific. And that's why I offer, you know, some of these that are just geared, let's say to, you know, credit cards. And you talk about it, you have a credit card, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, for sure. Right. But if I sat down and went through in more detailed fashion of really how it works, you probably wouldn't know some of those items, mm -hmm. um, things to look out for. Um, you know, when we talk about 
credit scores, well, everybody's heard of credit karma, mm -hmm. right? Um, but do you really understand how those credit reports and credit scores can affect you in the near term and in, you know, seven years from now? So um, as I said, I, I do a presentation. It's um, pretty um, casual mm -hmm. uh, and relatable uh, right. because I've test run this with several people, again, varying in ages, but all, you know, my audience level. And um, I try to introduce, as I said, a minimum number of concepts, keeping it short, uh, trying to focus on the most relevant, most important. Really keep it micromanaged, like in your topic, right? Well, I, I don't know if I call it micromanaged, mm -hmm. but um, just bringing out the most important points. Right. Like and why, how it will affect you, both in the near term and in the long term. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to learn more, I give access to, you know, here's uh, tools that you can use, or here's reference materials that you can go to, or you can come back to me and talk to me more. Um, but again, it's trying to get the basics of the concepts down mm -hmm. and learning to start to think about why is this important? Um, how can I apply this to my life now? And how will this affect me in the future? Right. And those are the three main things I want them to be able to walk away with. Um, and, uh, so that's mostly how the workshops are run. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously there's always time for questions. I don't do, I'll tell you what I don't do. Right. I, I don't do a lot of role-playing. Um, I don't think that's very helpful in this situation. I think it's a little demeaning, honestly. Right. Um, and I will say, um, and I didn't mention before that mm -hmm. I am also working on a book. Right. Um, but both in my presentations and in the book, um, I'm very careful, as my son said, uh, millennials and Gen Z, their their bullshit meter is, is oh, yeah. very attuned. Oh, yeah. They right? can smell a scam a mile away. Exactly. And and I don't want to be patronizing. And um, so I'm, I'm hyper aware of that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like role playing or giving examples of... Um, creating a budget, you know, and it's yeah. just not realistic. You don't want to be like that 90s, like, you know, the, the dude who has like the hat and like turns, flips it around and flips the chair. And I was like, okay, right. youngsters, let's rap about money. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and the fact is, you know, I'm 56 years old. Yeah. You know, I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm proud of my age. I, I'm not a young person. So yes, I'm imparting information that I think is really important, right. but I'm not trying to be a millennial or a Gen Z. I'm trying to be that money right. mama, you know, to be, to educate, um, with a, um, a kind, but kind of firm belief that it takes hard work. Right. Um, so I'm not coddling, um, but I am a supportive and, you know, that's the kind of feeling I want and for I think, my participants. Like, no, I mean, that's just, you just want to be, you know, a good role model while treating people with the respect and dignity that they deserved. And like, honestly, I just noticed like, and I've come from that world where I've had adults, and I'm 24, by the way, I've had adults patronize me at this age, by right. the way. And it's like, it's just demeaning. Like, I mean, it's like the, let's rap about money. Like, even at 13, I'm like, are you, are you shitting me? Like, I, I don't want to, just can you give me the information. Right. Just don't, I don't need a rap to tell me, like, the friggin' bones of the body. Just, just give me the information that I need in a way right. that's like, comprehensible and no gimmicks. Like, I don't like that. And I feel like, honestly, if I had to like 
because we talked about your concept very privately and we'll talk about this more in part two when we talk about branding and like how we've um, talked about that in our sessions. But I definitely feel like if I had to relate with you on any other person in television, I say you're like Mr. Rogers, you know, or like <laughs> anyone on PBS, like, like the reading rainbow dude, you know, like you don't patronize your audience. You're here to give them information in a way that's comprehensible and you're treating them with dignity, but also you're like, Hey, I'm the friendly neighborhood mom next door. Who's super chill and here to help these young people get their lives together. And I, I know I dig that. And yeah, your son is on point. Like, yeah, we, we can smell the crap when we see it. And I've talking to you in our conversations, especially with your branding, you're definitely not the flip your cap around kind of lady. And right. I, I try not to be, but I, I have some very honest people around me who will uh, bring me back into the fold if right. I stray. And mm -hmm. so again, um, you know, I try to be clear, concise, respectful, mm -hmm. um, but also honest. Right. So, so I, I mean, you've mentioned that you've been doing this for many years, like, um, and you've worked in this financial, you've had this experience, but I want to really dive into like how you feel times have changed because, you know, everyone has been talking about how millennials are, are a totally different generation than their parents and their parents before them. Right. Like, what is different that you've noticed in your many years of experience? Like what is different now for kids that are going to college versus maybe when you were going to college or maybe when someone a little older was going to college? Right. Right. Well, that's a great question. So, you know, back in the cave days when I was going, um, oh, please. money, <laughs> all right, a while ago, <laughs> but, um, one of the biggest differences is money was tactile. Um, it was tangible. So for instance, you got a job and you got paid and you received a check, a paper check, mm -hmm. and you walked it over to the bank and you deposited it in. And then maybe you got some cash out and, you know, credit cards were around. They weren't as popular as they are mm -hmm. today. I mean, they were definitely around, um, but people used checks right. and they used cash and they used credit cards. And you, know, you had cash in your pocket or in your, your handbag and you went to the store and you bought something and you paid with cash. And so you had less money in your pocket. So, you know, very sort of basic. It was there. You touched it. You, you, um, it was more tangible, very, very tangible. Right. Um, and, uh, but now it's money is conceptual. Mm -hmm. You have a job, it's your money is deposited automatically into your bank account. Like, can I provide an example, perhaps? Yeah. So, for example, like I do a lot of freelance work and I actually, frankly, have never seen physical money. So I actually, I'll have a PayPal, I'll have a Venmo, right. I'll have like all these things. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, is this, okay. exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, you go into the store and you buy something. Mm -hmm. Do you use cash? No. No. Right? Do you tap your phone or maybe you... you put your credit card in Absolutely. your debit card, Absolutely. right? Um, you're going out to dinner and someone pays the bill via what a credit card or tapping their phone, whatever Apple pay. Mm -hmm. um, you're all sharing it. How do you settle up? Right. Venmo, right. Or Zelle or one of these other sharing applications. Um, you get paid. Mm -hmm. You said, right. right. PayPal, or if you have like a, a standard job, it's automatically credited into your account. Absolutely. You don't see that money. So as a matter of fact, we joke around, but um, one thing I often teach is mm -hmm. how do you write a check? Um, very few people understand, and there are some cases rare now where mm -hmm. you actually have to write a check. Um, so it's, it is, it's more conceptual. Now, so again, there's that loss of 
this is the amount of money, this is the pile of money I have mm-hmm. today. And if I spend it all, it's going to look very bare on my desk right. versus it's out there somewhere. Right. right? Um, now, but on the flip side, back in my day, um, information was not given as quickly. So I would have to write in my checkbook. If I wrote a check, I would mm-hmm. have to subtract, hope my, my mathematics was correct. If mm-hmm. I took money out of the bank, I'd have to subtract and I'd, and then at the end of the month, I would get in a statement from my bank saying how much money I had left. It's instantaneous right. now. So while it's become more conceptual, we could potentially today have a much better handle of how much money you have at this very second. Right. So you get paid, it pops on your on your bank account instantaneously. You settle up with a friend it hits your bank account pretty much instantaneously. That's true. Um, you know, you could take advantage of that instantaneous nature of money now by getting um, balance alerts and spending alerts, um, things that I suggest people do when we talk about budgeting, which I know is in a separate podcast, but mm-hmm. um, it is definitely, um, it's a positive, I think, mm-hmm. that that flow in information is just so quick. Um, however, with the advent of all this technology, I think the ability of your money to be parted from you is also a lot easier. If you look um, in 2019, I think they're estimating $240 billion um, of advertising dollars are going into the US economy. So that's a lot of money being spent on advertising, convincing you that mm-hmm. you absolutely need this product. Absolutely, yeah. And what's even different from our time, not only the actual dollars spent, and forgetting for inflation, but I think there's more dollars spent now per capita on you know, helping you get parted with your money, but um, it's way more targeted. So back you know, when I was growing up, you'd get a print ad or a television ad for um, Diet Coke, mm-hmm. all right? But if you drink Diet Coke now, they know, they know so much about you that in your Instagram feed, it's going to show up. Um, If you like to uh, shop at a particular store, it's going to come up and be targeted towards you because your spending behaviors now have been analyzed and quantified. quantified. So um, it's, it's a lot harder to kind of cancel out all that noise um, for spending because it's much more meaningful. So that's a big difference from, again, what it was like when I was growing up. No, you're, you're so right. And I'm going to add on to that conversation. Like, you know, our generation is constantly bombarded with these ads. Right. And like, you know, I, for example, like I, as a social media marketer, that's my side gig outside this podcast life. I know like, but basically like in social media marketing, I have seen so many, I've even advised people on how to do advertisements, but basically like I am on social media constantly. And I know that a lot of other people are on social media because they're not social media marketers. They just are on social media a lot. And on Facebook, on Instagram, on every big major social media platform, you will see advertisements. Like for example, I remember I recently just got an adorable, precious, like love of my life kitten who I love with all my heart. And I just remember like just going on Amazon casually, just looking up, um, just stuff for my cat. And then all of a sudden the next day, Facebook has that information and they're now trying to sell me more cat stuff. And 
bombarding me with sales and 10% off, 20% off, like such and such, such and such, you know? And I'm, or like another example, like I was just looking into like a wedding that I was going to, and I just needed a nice formal dress, which I typically don't purchase, but I was Googling um, one. And then lo and behold, the next day I see ads for dresses all of a sudden just pop up. And it's basically a lot of people don't know that when you sign up for these social media sites or when you sign up for a lot of these sites, like, you know, they sell your information to advertisers and I feel like this common knowledge now, but I mean, when the birth of social media, a lot of people weren't fully aware of that, but, but then it's not just social media. It's not, oh, so absolutely, I, absolutely. You know, I walk into the supermarket and I buy my favorite brand of, um, Dr. Prager's garden burgers. Mm -hmm. And so I'm in the supermarket and that is, a treasure trove of information mm -hmm. and that advertising shows up on my social media feed yep. or, or wherever it's, it's everywhere. And it's not just affecting your generation. Mm -hmm. It's really affecting everybody, right. but it is different. We live in a different society today. Right. For sure. Um, and then, you know, the differences with, and I'll, I'll focus mostly on millennials because, you know, that's from 1981 to, I think, 2001, um, about? Uh, give or take. I think, like, yeah. the last millennial. If I remember correctly from my sociology class. Don't quote me on this, but I was told that the last millennial is 1995, and then Gen Z starts. Actually, no, the last, yeah, 1995, then Gen Z is 1996 and beyond to 2000. Yeah, so it's, it's fuzzy. It's whatever. We'll just, for now, without um, disrespecting anybody, I'm just going to call it millennial. Sure. All right, just for ease. Yeah. Um, you know, the fear or is not the fear, but I think the, um, common, um, realization now is that this could be the first generation that will not do as well financially mm -hmm. as their parents. So, you know, the American dream, you're going to work really hard, um, and you are going to have success mm -hmm. and you will be able to create a comfortable environment for your children to be able to grow up in so that they can be even more successful. Mm -hmm. And that's how it's been for most generations over the last 100, 150 years. Yeah, for sure. Um, and millennials are really hitting that first thing. Now, it's people would like to say, oh, it's because of their attitudes, their whatever. I mean, you could go back every generation mm -hmm. and every parental generation will say that about yeah, their kids, that's right? Fair. Yeah. You know, all those hippies, you know, yeah, yeah, those yeah. crazy young kids. Those punks. Right. Those punks. Those it flappers. Right. It, those flappers. Right. <laughs> you could say that. It's really not the individual um, generation that is causing that. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, partly it's the economy. So I was just looking at some statistics because mm -hmm. I, I do that, you know, because I'm nerdy. Oh yeah, for sure. I do that all the and, time. And, um, you know, and this is obvious to all of anybody who's listening, who has looked for a job as entry-level job mm -hmm. is there's less entry-level jobs out there. So the economy might be doing really well, mm -hmm. but the access to entry-level jobs is really hard. And this is where you run into that catch 22, you know, you experience right. catch 22. Yeah. Right. So you want a job. Um, that's great. Here's an entry-level job, but they want three years of experience. Yeah. It's very hard. Uh, so the, the, um, Unemployment rate for 20 to 24 year olds and just average running 12 month is about 7%. When you look against um, 25 and older, it's only 3%. Wow. So that's, you know, there's quite a bit of difference. Um, and oddly enough, women actually are a little better off because women between 20 and to 24 uh, years old 
the average unemployment rate is 6% versus men, it's 8%. Wow, I didn't know that. And I'm, I actually don't know why. I mean, I'm sure there's a reason behind that. I couldn't um, tell you. That's, that's incredible, right, though. Right. So, you know, what, what long-reaching implications does this have? Well, one, I think, again, it's a little harder to find that entry-level mm-hmm. job. Um, and, you know, you have all these kids coming out there. And um, they're, we're the most educated generation mm-hmm. out there. So what does that also mean? It probably means that there's more student loan debt mm-hmm. associated with your generation. Right. Because more kids are going to school and it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're, it takes longer to start earning, um, that has a rippling effect throughout your career. Mm-hmm. So if it takes you longer and you potentially might settle for a less paying job, mm-hmm. it's very hard to catch up. Mm-hmm. So that, along with many other factors, is starting to create this reality that millennials may not be um, economically, financially as well off as their parents. There's a first generation mm-hmm. to see that. So, you know, this wealth gap that we talk mm-hmm. about, it's it's real. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, this is also, that's kind of pessimistic, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So what's the optimistic part of it? Well, millennials, Gen Z, I think there's also a shift in priorities. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you can talk to this more, but, you know, how much is enough? Do you have to have that big house? Right. Do you um, have to have the car? There's new technology out there. Like a lot of people are not buying their car if they live in a semi-urban area. They'll use Zipcar or, oh, absolutely. you know, I mean, I agree with you on the shift of priority and I, I shouldn't maybe speak for all millennials, but I'll speak for myself is that I, if I can get a Michael Kors bag at a thrift store for $50 that someone has used a little bit, I will take that bag over one that I have gotten, you know, at a department store for $300. Right. Because like, it's at the end of the day, it's a Michael Kors bag and it's still like, looking it's still popping like and i will not mind settling for a lower price or like for example i'm will go thrift shopping more i won't eat out at like a lot of restaurants as much like i prefer more i don't like those kind of corporate brands and a lot of millennials don't like that's there's a whole meme on the internet about the death of arby's or the death of like whatever because we're just not interested in those kinds of chains we'd rather have more um, yeah, I, I definitely see the priority. I mean, just the other day I saw this meme online. It was like, millennials are killing the doorbell industry by texting here. Right. <laughs> like, just like, so millennials are killing every industry, right. apparently. But it's not, <laughs> and, and what will happen is new industries will come up and it's exactly. just, it just keeps going. Exactly. But, but the shift in priorities. So, you know, maybe having all the money in the world is not the most important thing. So maybe you don't need that huge house and what are you going to do with all those rooms anyhow? Yeah. And, and maybe it's it's settling for an apartment. You know, many people say, well, home ownership is going to be delayed. Well, that might not be such a bad thing. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that there aren't challenges specific to millennials and Gen Z right. that weren't there when I was growing mm-hmm. up. Um, but you can also flip it and say, maybe then, you know, this kind of outsized outspending mm-hmm. is not so important that being with people is more important too. So it's not all bad news. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the thing. And then the other thing that I think is different from your generation uh, compared to like mine and mm-hmm. older generations is the adaptability. So, um, and this, this was changing. I'm at the very end of the baby boomers. Mm-hmm. I mean, very, very end. Right. Um, when I started working, 
there was no expectation that I would be in my job for more than a couple of years. And Mm -hmm. then I would potentially switch, you know, my parents' generation was that you go into a job and you were there your entire life. Mm -hmm. But mine, you know, there was already a number of recessions. And so you knew that, but it's even more so now. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not just that I'm going to potentially switch jobs, but maybe I'll be switching careers because technology is um, changing at an exponential rate that you kind of have to reinvent yourself. And that's something that I think, you know, the older generations are not quite as good at that will be a benefit to mm-hmm. your generation. So challenges and benefits, and you can look at it, you know, again, glass half right. full, glass half empty. The fact is, this is the economy you're living in. This is the challenges you're going to face. So how can you make yourself successful? And is that why you're, you're specifically targeting generations like millennials and Gen Z? Because yes. yeah, we've, we talked about this privately when you're, we were working with your branding, you know, like one of your friends brought up like why not target like divorced mothers right. or right. because they actually need a lot of financial help, you know, especially if they're a single parent or like, why not target someone more in your age group? But uh, from this conversation that we've having, I think this is a great question to wrap up part one of, um, the series, but yeah, just like from what I'm gathering, like you're targeting Gen Z because you believe in that kind of um, potential. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you can go to any generation and say they, you know, these people within the generation, whatever need the help and, mm-hmm. and here's why, but um, I'm, I'm excited about the future. Um, I, you know, you, my kids, my um, friends, kids, I, I see that there's, there is potentially a bright future and I want to help be um, one of the building blocks in it. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm passionate about it. I, I think that there's a benefit to it. And um, you know, if you, if you get to help in the success of somebody, even if it's a tiny success, it's extremely rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. So um, yes, that's why I, my focus is on that particular age group. Right on. Okay. That's absolutely brilliant. So this wraps up part one of our financial series. Um, thank you so much, Marion, for being on this show. Our, our listeners are going to be so jazzed because, like, again, money is something that we talk about all the time here. But it's nice to have somebody who really understands the nooks and crannies of it, but also is specifically targeting millennials and Gen Zs with their financial needs and their financial competencies. So this wraps up part one, where we just talk about your life and what's going on with that. But now part two, we're going to go talk about a little bit about branding. This is for my listeners who are really into the world of entrepreneurship. We're going to really break down how Marion is building her brand. And we're going to break down a lot about like the process of setting up her workshops more in detail, the process of getting those kinds of Um, places established. We're going to be talking about the challenges that she's faced in building her brand. And then in part three of the series, we will go into specific advice and specific practical needs for our listeners. Thank you so much again for being on the show. My pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, right on. So thank you again, beautiful lightning rod people. And hey, you guys are doing awesome. What's up, y'all? Tammy here. How did you guys enjoy today's episode? Was it good, bad? Let us know. Let's talk at thecreativefolks.org is where you can email us to let us know about your opinions of today's show. Um, We would really appreciate it. If you had any guests, you can send them on over. We would love to interview them, talk about their creative journey, either as an art student, a creative entrepreneur, or anything else in between. 
See you in the next episode. Let's hustle.